Please pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are the God who speaks. And we pray that you would help us to listen well now. Uh, Please help us to hear you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a warm welcome if you're visiting for Eliza's dedication. It's great that you are supporting Bonnie and Pete in this way. I wonder what she'll be like in 20 years' time at her 21st. I wonder what she'll be like when she becomes a mum. I wonder what our rapidly changing world will be like at that time as well. Even though technologically and medically we're going ahead in leaps and bounds, it seems that war and corruption and many kinds of abuse are advancing at a similar rate. Pete and Bonnie need to provide Eliza with a strategy for living. The world has changed and changes at an alarming rate. But there are two things that remain constant, two things that have continued from the beginning, good and evil. So any strategy for living, whether it be for today or for the future, needs to take account of both good and evil. Peter, uh, not Pete Adcock, uh, not me, I'm, I'm Peter as well, but the guy who wrote that bit of the Bible that I just read, he's writing here to a group, a number of small groups of people who are relatively new to Christianity. And they're living on the outskirts of the Roman Empire in the second half of the first century. And he is going to give them a strategy for living in a potentially hostile environment where good and evil are often blurred. Peter has, has been an eyewitness to some of the remarkable things that Jesus did. Uh, he had also emphatically denied knowing him on three occasions. He'd seen his cruel death... And he claims to have witnessed the risen Lord Jesus. And this has transformed his life. So his strategy for living that he gives us probably has something to say to us. But what strategies could we suggest for Eliza? Head down, bum up, just do your best. Uh... You need to be strong. You need to be strong. Put yourself first. Because after all, it's survival of the fittest. In short, Peter's strategy is this. Turn away from evil. Do good. In every situation that confronts you, choose to do good. Peter says there's a battle raging, a a war for our heart's allegiance, for our souls. Who will we side with, good or evil? Each day presents an opportunity to choose good. So a simple strategy, turn from evil, do good. Seems like a bit of a no-brainer. Who would opt for doing evil? 
He says, choose good, do good, even when you're being falsely accused. This is an example of what he described as loving at full stretch last week. To keep on striving to do a personal best in loving. Avoid evil, do good. Seems easy. And we'd probably say, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Maybe not all that successfully, but that's what I'm doing. Or at least that's what I'm trying to do. But who's good? Whose good are we doing? My own good? The, The common good? Is there a greater good, an ultimate good? Jesus' teaching, especially in the section in Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is all about defining what is truly good. Many modern-day thinkers and ancient thinkers, including Gandhi, regard this as the pinnacle of ethical and moral teaching. Here is a statement on the screen that Peter heard when he listened to that Sermon on the Mount and that has influenced his thinking and his writing here. Let your light shine before others so that you may see your good, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This strategy for living is not about us receiving praise or recognition or kudos but rather God being glorified about somehow our lives declaring his praise. But what if I'm not a believer in God and the afterlife and that stuff? Well, I I do think that turning from good rather than doing evil has still a lot to offer and is worth pursuing. We can tell somebody what somebody loves by the way they react when the object of their love is violated. God loves all that he created. And so when we pollute the oceans or blast a hole in the ozone layer, that violates what God loves. But his greatest love... His deepest love is of people. His deepest love is of you. So what does God do when we judge, belittle, ridicule, exclude, betray, use or abuse someone? Or what does God do when we live in a world where all this is happening... And we don't do anything other than close our eyes, shut our hearts, suit ourselves. Would it surprise you that if, any, if when any human being is violated, that God is deeply, deeply offended? What does God do with this? Well, he sends Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus puts his strategy for living this way. This is the the pinnacle of the pinnacle of ethical teaching. 
So in everything, do to others as you would have others do to you. In everything, do to others as you would have others do to you. You might be aware of this. You might have heard it. It's it's referred to as the golden rule. And again, whether we believe in God, the supernatural or not, this will give us something to work with all day long, every day. For example, if you were receiving that email that you're writing and just about to send, would you like there to be some joy in it? If you were having an argument, what would a golden rule argument look like? And part of the genius of the golden rule is that we usually focus on how we are being treated. So when we're asked, how did you go today? You think about, oh, how was I treated? The golden rule turns this around. It suggests we we do a U-turn and start to think about how we treat others. How have you treated people today? This is empowering. This is empowering. It makes us agents of love rather than victims. It can change our world around. Every day can be a golden rule day. You can use it with your friends. You can use it with people that you don't like. And oddly, you'll get to like them a bit more. You can use it when you're driving. You can use it when you're texting. You can use it by not texting when you're driving. It can be used as a cross-cultural device. It can be used as a cross-generational tool. It can be used with people who are different from you, ethnically, by gender, by moral or religious values. It can be used with different personality types. I'm an introvert. It can be used with extroverts. How would they like to be treated? And how is that different from how I like to be treated? You see, it places everybody on a par. It places everybody on a par with me. They have feelings, they have dreams, they have intentions like I do. What does it feel like for them to be that age? What does it feel like for them to have those moods? But what does it feel like for them to have that background? To bear those wounds. The golden rule is a living thing that moves us from ego to love. And it's inexhaustible. Inexhaustible. So in everything, in everything, do to others as you would have others do to you. It's a call to action, not avoidance. Jesus not only stated the golden rule and suggested it, he lived a golden rule life. Even when he was being betrayed, belittled, 
ridiculed, judged, politically used and physically abused for you on your behalf. At the point of his death on the cross, he was thinking of you. Father, forgive them. Even when a criminal turns to him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he doesn't say, you're kidding me. You've defied God all your life. You've been rightly executed as a criminal and you're asking me for a favour? No, he doesn't say that. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. What grace. What undeserved, unearned love. This is something to get excited about. Imagine a world full of this. A world full of grace. Undeserved, unearned love. Jesus lived a golden rule life. He died a golden rule death and started a golden rule community which he invites us all to be part of. He did this all with you in mind. If you wish to reduce evil and promote good, to live life as we were made, the golden rule is a good start. Jesus' grace is a better start. If we're excited by grace, the grace that Jesus offers to us all, God will help us as we seek to live this life. It's not easy. It's counterintuitive, living more and more with others in mind and and trusting God to continue to love and, and to continue to be gracious even when we mess up. But it is a way to really live. So in everything, do to others as you would have others do to you. Peter then goes on to give them some practical examples of what it looks like for them in their context. In daily life, as residents of the Roman Empire and as God's children, God's little holy nation, they are to submit themselves to all authorities because they have already submitted themselves to God, the the sovereign Lord, the, the ultimate authority. They are his servants. They are his agents in the world. They have freedom to do good. But not freedom to cover up evil. He encourages them to live a golden rule life focused on others. If you've still got your Bibles open there, you might like to glance quickly at verse 17, which says this, Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. They are to treat everyone with love and honour. They are to be excited by grace, by what God has done and what he's doing, and they are to plunge themselves into society, but not plunge themselves into doing wrong. 
in the workplace having submitted themselves to God and his continued grace they are to submit to their bosses whether they be good and considerate or harsh they are to do good regardless of the circumstances following Jesus' golden rule example in his golden rule death and if we were to have read a bit further on and if you've got your Bibles open you might look down to verse 22 where Peter sets this example for them the example of Jesus he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they hurled their insults at him he didn't he made no threats instead he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness so that we might die to evil and live for good by his wounds you have been healed so continue to be excited by this example of grace plunge yourself into your work but not into evil that should be dead to you now in marriage wives who have unbelieving husbands should submit so that their golden rule living can shine forth husbands who have submitted to God are to honour their wives by the way they love and treat them continue to be excited by grace continue to plunge yourself in every aspect of family life but not to do evil and then he summarises basically repeating the same thing again respond in every situation as Jesus did and in chapter 3 verse 9 we read this do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing so that you may inherit a blessing and if we were to turn the page over and then look down to verse 11 he says it again turn from evil and do good turn from evil and do good for Christians this involves a daily repentance a daily turnaround a daily about face a daily u-turn where we ask God to turn us from ourselves to focus on him by grace we determine with his help to live this golden rule way trusting what he has done in Jesus what he continues to do what he has promised to do and what he will undoubtedly do asking each day that we that he would enable us to live more of a golden rule life so it's a daily turning a daily asking a daily renewal a daily refocus a daily humility if you're not a follower of Jesus this is an invitation for you to trust him to take that u-turn perhaps for the first time so that you can personally know God's love and have his daily assistance in turning away from the evil in this world 
to his ultimate goodness and to be embraced by that goodness. In other words, receive his grace, receive his free gift so that you can grow in living a golden rule life, turning from ego to love. What's the best strategy for living? Daily turn to God so that we can learn and so that we can practice in everything do to others as you would have others do to you. Let's pray. Father, we know that we turn away from what is good and we know that at times we can be be selfish. But we want a better life. We want a fuller life. We want life with you. So we come to you now, aware of our weakness. We're not coming because we are strong. We come not because we are good, but because of the goodness and the righteousness of another. We come seeking your grace, your unearned, undeserved love. So please, as we take this bread and this juice, enable us to sense your presence with us and your love for us. In Christ's name. Amen.